Zone. I am your host, Daniel, and joining me as always is... Co-host Thomas, yo. And this week we are back to The Purge. Uh, Last week we watched a movie called Hashtag Alive on Netflix, but unfortunately my audio quality was terrible, so... That uh, episode may be lost in time. Yeah, that's another one lost in the vague zone, unfortunately. Yeah, but if good news if you're a Purge fan, because we're back talking about another Purge movie. So, uh, quick synopsis from IMDb. Former police sergeant Barnes becomes head of security for Senator Charlie Roan, a presidential candidate targeted for death on Purge night due to her vow to eliminate the Purge. So, Thomas... What did you think of The Purge election year? I wasn't really crazy about this one. I Like I said, <laughs> I kind of blended this one with Anarchy just because I saw them. I think I watched Anarchy before seeing election year in theaters because I totally forgot about this movie. I totally forgot about, like, there's so many things that I have problems with with this movie. I like, like yeah. re-watching this series and kind of, you know dissecting them in hindsight and kind of comparing them to recent events but yeah this one sticks out for having a lot of really really good images but overall being one of the i would say one of the lesser ones in this in the franchise if i'm being honest i think yeah this one's this one was bad for me yeah i think we're on the same page about a lot of this um i really did not like this movie um it just feels like i understand why you would get them crossed over i mean they're both they both have uh, Leo Barnes, Sergeant, uh, and them, and they both take place mostly navigating uh, dangerous streets and alleyways. Yeah, but, if you um, watch them back to back, you definitely would blend them as I did, and so, yeah, I think the first two work better as companion pieces than, I would say, the second and the third one, or even the third and the fourth one, because this one, it feels kind of like the odd man out. Yeah, the first two feel like they're executed along the same level of quality, too. Like, yeah. this one feels like it takes a dive in quality. Some of these performances are kind of shaky. Yeah. Um, it's funny but, you say it takes yeah. a dive in quality, because I was going to say the production value on some parts go up a lot, and it has some of my favorite Purge, like, images, I would say, across the series as a whole. Like, some of the things that we kind of get shown in a glimpse are really, really interesting and thought-provoking. But, yeah, like, the characters and, like, just the back and forth. And it just just feels very, like, I don't know. I I was saying it felt very clunky and awkward, and it just didn't feel very, I don't know. There's no rhythm to it. Yeah, you said you... So this came out election year, 2016. Um, You said you had some thoughts about what was going on in 2016 like so so did you see it when it was out in theaters yeah that's the thing i believe i saw it when it was out in theaters there was quite a few things happening in my life i was like you know moving and everything so yeah like i feel like i saw this in the concord movie theater and just totally forgot about it might have had your what were your expectations going into this i was extremely excited because (laughs) like i'll rewind a little bit when i caught up to the series like i bought the purge and i Love that movie. And then, yeah, as election year was coming out, it was aligning with the Trump election in 2016. And so a lot of the posters were very similar. It was like, you know, make America purge again. And so I, I like the um, the poster rollout and all of the advertising was just yeah. on point. It was so perfect. And so, yeah, when it came it felt, out, I, yeah, I was so felt, excited. It felt like elections exploitation, if that's even a thing. That's a great word. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I didn't haven't yeah. seen it since then, and so watching it now, I'm just like, mm, there's some things in this that like, you guys kind of has a really good thing going with the second movie, and then you just like, it like just pulled all those punches back, and just like, oh, it just bothered Absolutely. me so much. Yeah, uh, just yeah, I feel like we have a lot of <laughs> a lot of issues with like how this movie ended for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so oh, after watching Purge Anarchy, like going into this one, my thought was. So they developed this character, Carmelo, in the second movie, Michael K. Williams. Yeah. And I totally thought this was going to be Michael K. Williams versus the uh, New Founding Fathers. And, <laughs> yeah, that would have been a much better movie. Yeah. yeah, and this does not... First off, it doesn't do that. Second, it feels like it completely undermines the concept of that. Yeah, um, that's, Which we'll yeah, get into. Definitely, definitely, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it is called election year, so you can kind of 
even without spoilers, get an idea that this is going to be about electoral politics, not necessarily revolution. Um, so maybe, yeah, maybe we can get a little bit more into the specifics of what this is. Yeah, I think that's a good idea because, yeah, it's it's worth just cut, uh, slicing up the details of it because, yeah, the spoiler-free uh, territory isn't isn't that interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, we're just gonna get straight into spoilers. I well, I think we should yeah at least like talk about how kind of it gets rolling and just like at least I will tell you my issues with how the setup is compared to the other ones and just I don't I think that's how I like to approach it maybe. All right, yeah, go for it. Yeah, okay, so one of the things that, I don't know, that stood out to me is the editing in this movie, and it felt very rocky with the way it started out because there's two different parties. We're seeing the senator, um, I need to pull up her name, yeah, see uh, Charlie Roan on one side, and, mm-hmm. and there's this kind of really grand debate that she's having with this other politician, and they're talking about the ethics of the purge, and then on the other side of town we have, like, you know, the working class people as we did with the first movie and yeah. with this group it's like the characters are like a little bit like on the cringier side and so like they are definitely siding with like okay this is going to be like a racial divide it's going to be a class divide and i think they dial that up so much that the characters kind of like take the hit in a really bad way what what specifically was cringy about it for you um, I don't know. Just my my boy Joe. His first line about the the senator. He's like, oh, or like he's comments on like her breast size, and he's like, oh, oh but, yeah. but, but, and it's just like he's like, okay, this guy's gonna be like super jokey, but we have really awesome characters within this world, like Carmelo and uh, even Dante was established as like a rising sort of presence, and so yeah, it just yeah. seems like a weird kind of like backstep, and it felt like hokey and cheesy the way that they're just like joking in the store and they're just like talking shit and kind of pushing the comedy a little too much and I don't know the, uh, the way the other two movies started up were just a lot more eerie and felt a lot more dangerous about like when you know this alarm is going to set off and just you know starting yeah. with the flash starting with the flashback and then going forward and bouncing around it just felt very unorganized yeah I think the the, the first two movies definitely start with tension about leading up to the purge like there's a lot of dread about like what's gonna happen yeah and... just within, within the hours as opposed to like you know this 18 year jump that we get in this movie yeah because this starts right off the bat with like it's in the midst of a purge 18 years before the bulk of the movie takes place and it's almost like a a scene from saw or something where uh charlie roan the politician um her and her family are being tortured by this guy and he makes the mother choose which of, of the family members will survive the experience. Yeah. Um, and he's, like, playing and, a song. He's like, this is my Purge playlist. And Yeah, it, which totally remind. It felt like it was ripped out of American Psycho or something when he's doing the Huey Lewis thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, so, yeah, 18 years later, Charlie Rowan becomes a politician, and she's determined to end the Purge. And I thought it was interesting that the candidate, the NFFA candidate she's running up against is like of this particular party but uh charlie is framed as an independent candidate um it's like they didn't want to step on any toes about by like applying a certain ideology to any party maybe um but i also think it's interesting i think it's interesting that in this sort of corrupt uh purge world they're still having you know quote-unquote fair elections yeah that's yeah that's a good point that they're having fair elections and yeah they don't really mention parties so to speak but this movie definitely has factions in it and like a very clear like a political line that's drawn in it yeah and yeah go ahead (laughs) well well i i guess that's kind of like the spoiler but uh, that's a little bit further in the reveal but as this point right now like yeah they're leading up to the beginning we're introduced to these characters and yeah we get introduced that there's this new rule that all politicians are exempt and so no one is safe on this particular night and that's being driven by the nffa who are in currently in power they're they're getting away with the no one is exempt rule so that they can eliminate charlie roan so they are they are essentially trying to rig the election uh but not through any sort of voter tampering they're just trying to assassinate the competition yeah with the use of a very extreme political party 
Yeah, which kind of gets into what the problem of this movie is. <laughs> because, yeah. like, each of these movies does this thing where it, it keeps doing this thing where it's like, if we can't purge because that makes us just as bad as our opponents. Like, the first movie ends with, um, what's her name? Game of Thrones lady. Yeah, uh, Lena, Lena, Lena. Lena Hetty. Uh, she has the opportunity to take out her neighbors who were who just had guns to her, pointed at her whole family. You know, they're ready to kill her whole family. She has the opportunity to take them out. She doesn't do it. Yeah, while well, well, the husband is dying in the corner. Yeah. And I think he's already dead, right? Yeah. Um, Essentially, yeah. He's already passed at that point. And, yeah, the second movie, um, we get Sergeant. He's gonna... He, he has the uh, rich people who orchestrated... Uh, the buying and selling of the poor for hunting. Um, he has her at gunpoint. He has the opportunity to shoot her. He doesn't shoot her. He says, you're going to remember my face. He lets her walk. As if these people aren't just going to keep doing the terrible things they're doing year over year. Yeah, I think it's interesting, too, because uh, the sergeant, he has two moments of benevolence in that movie where he like he lets them go, and then he lets his... Like, the person he was out to get the entire night, he also lets him go as well. And so yeah. here we here in this movie, he's like reformed. He's the bodyguard for Charlie, and so I, I like I like that dynamic. I like that setup a lot. But but yeah, but just, even going back to him letting off the uh, the the guy he was gonna he he, he meant to purge uh, the drunk driver who killed his son, like him letting that guy go means that that guy gets to kill uh, one of the NFFA guys who gets him at gunpoint later on in the movie. So correct. it almost feels like what that movie is saying is like if you're gonna spare someone make sure you spare the right person but at the same time it's like he totally spared the wrong person earlier in the movie true Um, yeah so it's pretty muddy Uh, yeah yeah and yeah it definitely like it aims to wrap a lot of politics and i think that's one thing i was trying to do of that particular era as well and kind of yeah like you say kind of what did you call it um is it uh Election exploitation. Yeah, election exploitation. Alexploitation. Yeah, exploitation. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's perfect. Yeah, it, just, um, it, it tries to grasp a lot, and yeah, it, it does have. I would say it does have strong image imagery for like having, I think, a better budget and using the production value. Uh, not using the production value. Let me pause. I think this movie is a lot stronger visually but yeah it definitely falls short on the you know political side when it's trying to make like a very clear point yeah and i mean it, with some of the production stuff it feels it this movie does a lot of weird shit where it's just trying to add flavor and spice to purge night i guess so like there's like a scene where uh you know that our characters are like driving down the street and they look down an alleyway and there's a man being guillotined and yeah, yeah. at another point, a man is just, like, this, like, buff bodybuilder-looking dude is, like, covered in sweat, is just, like, on a street corner shouting that, uh, you know, it's survival of the fittest, and I am the fittest, and we never see this guy again. Like, Yeah, yeah. It's just, like, like, highlighting all, yeah, all this random shit just to be like, yeah, look how gnarly Purge Night is. Yeah, I thought that particular scene was a lesser version of the one and two where there's, like, the woman on top of the the roof and she's just, like, walking around, like, just screaming things. Like, we're going to cleanse and just kind of, like, letting off rounds. I thought that was a little bit more of a a, a solid image as opposed to just this guy kind of being just, yeah, aggro and just kind <laughs> just of... Just screaming. Yeah, and just, like, screaming. Yeah, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to get, to get too ahead. But, yeah, like, when these characters kind of get introduced, like, I, yeah, I felt like... They were just yeah, kind of cheesy, like the the guy Joe. Like he has like a, a really good plight. Like he's a small business owner, and this is all he has. You know, this is this is his lifeline. And so, yeah, and I like, get it. That's uh, insurance that's dope. companies are like uh, jacking up his rates on Purge Night, and he can't afford it. Yeah, and so all of that is fine. But yeah, like you say, like the the girls that come in to like steal the candy are like awful. And I'm like, yo, like why? Like why is that like the the spark that kind of gets you to like i guess purge and kill all your parents and team up and do this weird like prom night thing where you're just like out getting drunk in dresses and murdering people and so yeah that that whole sideline to their to their peril was it felt really weird and like just just dumb to me i was just like oh i was like why is she just like she wants to steal candy she can't get her candy and now she's gonna come back and kill him yeah 
So it's like these movies keep they they don't have a much subtext. I feel like they're pretty overt with being like, "Hey, uh, we need some sort of like law, um, otherwise people are just gonna fucking kill each other." And which is, I think, kind of a, a regressive take, but also. It, it ends up saying like, well, the people who are mostly committing the violence are rich people. Um, they are praying. They are using this to prey upon the poor. They're using this to eliminate the poor. Or yeah, they're they're rich people are fucking sadists. Um, yeah, but and then in, it, it's, I was gonna yeah. say it's even in Dante's words like, because they're eliminating the poor, there's less welfare, less health care, and less housing. And it's just like it's just clearly this class meanwhile, warfare. Meanwhile, we live in a country that has way more vacant houses than homeless people. Yeah, uh, so it's not that like the resources aren't there it's just that we aren't actually attacking the problem yes um, the, alloc the allocation is the issue yeah like resource management is the problem um but what was i saying oh yeah so this movie is like framing rich people as terrors who the only thing restraining them is the threat of uh you know the law but it's also mixing in all this other stuff that feels like it's... If that is the message of these movies, then it's mixing in all this other stuff that kind of muddies that with stuff like The Shoplifter, where what is her deal? Like, what is she really bringing this to the table in terms of what this movie is trying to say thematically? Uh, yeah, it wants to have kind of a little bit of everything. Like, it wants just completely unhinged people that kind of look visually cool, but also to have, like, this sense of nobility. That's why I wish... Yeah, it was at least on the sillier side or campier and like a lot more. I wish it just went further in one direction because this this one takes itself so incredibly seriously. And like it's it says like, okay, like the first one, it was like a blend of rich people. And you kind of we mentioned there was shots of all of the auction yeah. people and like there was like a close up, like a close up on the black lady. And like in this one, like when they're in the church, like it's just like all white and it's just like a very like oh, yeah, a white like yeah. yeah it's like a very like white ritual and the militia that's sent out to chase charlie is they're all have they're white, white supremacists yeah, yeah white supremacist badges on and so like yeah it, it definitely like tries to make it very very clear and like okay these bad guys are just like it's fun. insane that this this movie came out before trump was elected <laughs> yeah. or like how many things it kind of gets right yeah it's very eerie yeah the purge drone kind of chasing them and i was like yeah <laughs> you guys got yeah. it yeah <laughs> and like yeah there's like russian texts there's like i assume those were russian people there's some sort of like eastern european people european people who are dressed up in as like a uh, figures of american iconography so like uncle sam and the statue of liberty and stuff and they're purging and it's like okay so is this like a like it's before the actual election has happened but it feels like a russian influence thing um, yeah, yeah, that's a really, really good point because yeah, they emphasize that there's this murder tourism happening, and that, I'm so glad I asked this in our last conversation about yeah, what's the other neighboring countries doing? And this movie gives us the answer. They're they're like crazy like youth are coming over dressing up as Abraham Lincoln and George Washington and the Statue yeah. of Liberty, and they're and they're murdering people and like yeah. yeah, and they're murdering the politician who is running against the far right NFFA. So it's the Russians are taking out the politician like uh who I, I feel like is supposed to be sort of a Hillary analog. Um I don't know. This movie, Possibly. <laughs> like it's it's not yeah, it's not explicitly that, but it's like she is the non conservative running in the two party system. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is weird that this movie exists. Um yeah, like this I, one is a, a particular one because I think it says, like, okay, I want to be very political and be very bold. And, you know, like, one of my favorite things is when they, they have the purge in the Lincoln Memorial, the Lincoln Memorial shot. I, I, I like that one a lot. I, I felt like the scene in Anarchy with, like, the banker hanging from the bank, I thought that also would have been a lot more appropriate in this movie because, yeah, yeah. they take, like, this whole revolution imagery and they like do it really well like the guillotine in the alleyway is my one of my favorite moments yeah. in this whole movie is just because like yeah like if there was more of that like actual danger on the street it'd be nice but yeah just like 
it's just like this messy kind of back and forth until both parties eventually meet up and then it's just like just kind of like dumb bickering kind of like just this action movie dribble that, <laughs> i don't the, know what else to call it <laughs> the guillotine is also kind of like another example of how this movie is sort of uh is it prescient is that am i using that word properly but like um, so this this movie like yeah there are people going to protest now with the guillotines like we're seeing yeah. it on the news uh protesting outside of like jeff bezos house and then like you know we ne- we've had reports about like the f uh, the FBI has released reports about like the police being infiltrated by white supremacists and like white supremacists Definitely, working with yeah. the police. And so we have like a uh, white supremacist militia who is doing the bidding of these politicians, which is like kind of reflexive of reality uh, in the sense that yeah, they're absolutely. upholding these power structures. Um, so I think my big problem with this movie, if we're getting into, you know, how kind of the end of this movie, um, I actually, I had watched a good portion of this until uh, Charlie and Sergeant get to sort of our, our uh, Dante Bishops, the sort of revolutionary, till they get to his headquarters. Yeah. Um, so I had watched that, and then I took a break because I had to go pick up Emily from work. Mm. Um, and on the way home, I was telling her, you know, I feel like this, I'm afraid this movie is going to do exactly what I don't want it to do. Which is, like, I was expecting it to be a movie about, like, revolution. And I feel like it's going to be a movie that is just saying, no, you don't need to have a revolution. You just need to vote. Um, Yep, yep, yep. And it doesn't... I mean, they don't come out and say, like, no, it's just, you just got to vote. But... They pretty much do just come out and say, you just got to vote. Yeah, yeah. If we, like, yeah, take a a few steps back early when they're, like, pre-purged before all of this action and stuff goes on, they're just, like, talking inside of of the deli. And uh, what's the character's name? Um, uh, uh, Man, woman, who is it? uh, It's the guy he works there under Joe. I want to get his Uh, name. He's the Latino guy. I forget it. Uh, Yeah, I don't think I put his name down on here. But he Uh, literally... Yeah. Yeah. He literally is just like, yeah, like she needs seventy nine electoral votes, and I was like, holy shit, yeah, like that's just like, like that, like that's yeah, like, like college and shit, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. His name is like, just Marcos. Gosh, yeah, yeah, and like I told, I'm totally fine with him being like aware of the system, but like just the way it kind of unfolds in that scene, and then that's included in our payoff, it just feels just it yeah. almost made me, it made me want to like like not recommend this movie if people were going to like run this series because like this is one you could definitely watch after the first purge because i was like reading about the first person like yeah like they got so i, I want to see right. that one i've heard the first purge is a lot better um yeah, so i'm yeah. excited to watch that next but um but yeah they're yeah. like and even, there's so many like little like racist moments like i don't want to say racist but like just problematic moments between marcos and, and his boss when he like goes up onto the roof and he's like you don't sneak up on a black man on purge night and i was like yo you don't sneak up on anybody on purge night like <laughs> yeah. everyone everyone is murdering each other like why do you have to be dropping these jokes and then like yeah like the crip whistle scene i was like oh jesus christ like yeah the crip I, whistle like, was first off that scene was there any real reason that scene needed to happen no, I like there's this whole narrative with like the dope bodyguard Punisher guy, Sergeant. He gets shot early on in a confrontation, and then later we find out that oh, that bullet is a tracking device, and so he throws that tracking device, and then the white supremacists kind of f- follow that false lead and then yeah. get get caught by gang members. And... I think I think the only yeah the crypt thing. All that does is it helps them get to the base of the revolutionaries because yeah through helping one of those people they find they know where to take them maybe 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 i'm misremembering that yeah well it's just it kind of unfolds so fast like once purge night starts and they're inside of like the safe house like the it's revealed that there's a like a spy or a mole inside of the senator's little circle and that they are there to kill her and so they then they turn off all the cameras and completely take over the situation. The white supremacists show up and just like start this really dangerous manhunt. And so, yeah, they're like an unstoppable force compared to, you know, the rest of the characters who are just like, just trying to get to safety. So yeah, yeah. when they eventually get to, to Dante's little underground thing, I was like, Oh yeah. Like they were going to like do something really, really 
cool with this whole cathedral plan, but yeah, then it just yeah. unfolds. I thought we were going to see, like, like a war or something. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I hate to, like, say, like, I wanted to see something gruesome like that unfold, but I feel like this series was leading up to that. And, yeah, to not have Michael K. Williams and to have him be succeeded by this other character who just completely sacrifices himself, it's just, like, it just bothered me so much. Yeah. This movie, it's it's it ends up just being about like a white liberal politician who ruins the chance at revolution. <laughs> like that yeah. is like the I guess mean interpretation of what this plot what this plot synopsis would be. No, that's a fair interpretation <laughs> because like even like the deli owner, he doesn't make it out alive, and like Dante doesn't make it out alive, and like it's just yeah, it just seems like the sacrifice was not very equal yeah, or like yeah it is bullshit that like yeah that joe joe the shop owner dies because it's so so at the beginning of the movie when they're all having that conversation that we keep referencing uh they're also talking about like joe seems to he doesn't really have faith uh that uh charlie would change anything uh there's this woman there laney who uh she's known as la pequeña muerte for some yeah. reason. <laughs> um, yeah. And she's, she's very badass. She's a yeah. legend she on has, the streets. She, she has a fucking... That is like a great scene when she like shows up and kills a bunch of people. She kills like the shoplifter and all them. And I think it's like yeah. one long one long, long take where she's just like fucking annihilating people. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, they're, I, all, they're all talking about... Uh, uh, like they don't really have faith that electing this new politician would change anything. And... So Joe, like, I, I was really worried that it was going to become a situation where, like, over the course of this whole movie, Charlie encourages Joe to vote for her. Um, but instead, no, they Joe dies. <laughs> um, yeah, and I don't it's know. Really rough. Yeah, like he. I think at this point, I was so like bothered by what this movie was doing that it didn't even really register for me, like dramatically, that this yeah. character had died. <laughs> like, I was just like, I was kind of done with it. Yeah, that's totally fair because yeah, he even like like kind of verbally flip flops because he is to- totally like yeah, like small business owner and like like yeah, the purge is screwing me over. Like I can't afford to pay these insurance company people. But he also says to Marcos like yo, like the American dream is. I think he literally says like the American dream isn't dead if I you know if you can still come here and still work here you know. And so it has like that like capitalist yeah, notion of just my, like yeah, take my shop over. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. And then. Yeah, so I guess I think, Joe died so that Marcos could could live the American dream of owning a shop. He, yeah, which yeah. is fucking bleak. And yeah, then he like <laughs> I was gonna say then a little bit later he like flips over. He sorry, he not flips over. He flip flops back when he's talking to the senator, and he's like, yeah, he's like the purge has like ruined everything, and he's like completely pessimistic. And so yeah, just his politics didn't really seem very clear. They weren't very grounded. But I also wanted to talk about that scene where you say. Um, uh, need to pull up her name once again so I don't get it wrong. Uh, so yeah, when Lainey, uh, yeah, she's super, super awesome. And she's driving around in this van, like basically as like a freelance medic. And yeah. so yeah, this also answers another question I had with the absence of, you know, these like hospitals or official means of security. There's no police, there's no hospital. Who's going to be there, you know, to help people out theoretically? And so we have that character as Lainey. She's also, like, this secret badass that we also learn from a couple of lines from the shoplifter. Yeah. yeah. And we find out that, yeah, she, she is... her whole backstory, kind of. Yeah, yeah. This, yeah, that scene is so, so dumb. But when we actually see it play out, they're going to be, like, purged. Like, the girls come back, they have, like, the skill saws, and they're, like, cutting through the store, and they're, like, they're about to go in and, like, just kill everybody. And then Lainey is driving down with this van and she hits her head on and i was just like okay yeah. like she's done like right like she's like it like they even show like her like i think funny. her boots yeah i thought <laughs> i thought it was i thought that was so good it reminded me of like yeah the the kill at the end of Anar- anarchy when he's like yeah like everything's gonna be great then he just gets like hit with bullets and it's like yeah like nope like it's over it's the purge but yeah she gets ran over i think even her boots are left there <laughs> i don't know yeah i think then, we might like see them ca- kind of like crumble or something yeah yeah, yeah, and then, yeah, we have this shot that you mentioned of her going back and just, like, laying everybody out, and then we see the girl, like, still up there with, like, kind of conscious, and then she gets shot, and I was like, there's no way yeah. you're gonna be, she, like, like, still alive. her face open, basically. Yo, her face would already, like, that, <laughs> after getting hit that fast with a, 
a truck. I was like, okay, like, I just didn't quite know where this violence was as far as like, the realism scale was because that just felt inc- incredibly unrealistic to me. And I mean, I don't care the, though. Like, did you did, like did it bother you that it wasn't realistic? A little bit because for the most part, I think there is over the top moments like you know the people having some crazy weapons, but for the most part, it's like. This movie has a lot of, it's like, you know, stabbings and shootings. And so for, like, that, like, being run over and then you're still there just to get headshot, it just felt kind of, felt, like, gratuitous in a dumb way. I was like, okay, like, you wanted to have two kill moments in this one thing? It just felt, like, like unnecessary. I don't know. This movie, like, feels kind of, I think this is the silliest one. Uh, Like, we have, like, helicopter fascists. We have, like, all that weird stuff that I was talking about with, like, a a bodybuilder screaming on the street. There's a scene where, um, I guess it's the Crips, are having, like, a gladiator match where two guys are, like, fighting each other with swords and axes and stuff. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, This is a really silly one. I like the booby trap scene a lot when they're like they like are going through this alleyway oh, yeah. and he like hits a tripwire and it swings down and there's like this like group of frat guys are like oh no and they're like and like good luck as they walk by I kind of like that little moment so and they and yeah. like the way it's executed they could totally just crawl under that thing <laughs> like yeah it's, yeah it's like swinging like at waist height um, <laughs> there's also a scene where a guy like before the purge starts he's selling masks on the street and he he yells. The Purge is Halloween for adults. Yeah. When, and I told Emily about this, and she was like, well, wait a minute, like, hasn't The Purge been going on for years? <laughs> like, yeah. why is this guy, what sort of reaction is this guy getting from people on the street when he's yelling that, and it's been going on for fucking ever? Um, like yeah. He's, ju- he's just now coming <laughs> to this realization? That's a really good point. Yeah, that's that, that seems funny, because you also mentioned that it's, this is kind of a Halloween-y type of tradition in like in their world a little bit. Yeah, like, and that was like the first or second time I experienced the purge. I said, "This is yeah. Halloween for assholes." And yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. Maybe he's on or something like that. This guy's screaming at people. Yeah, um, that was just a little ridiculous. Yeah, he like jumps out as a jump scare on Laney, and I was like, "Yeah, like just kind of silly stuff like that." I was just like, "This is kind of not what this movie really should have been going for." I don't know this. So they get the minister of the NFFA or whatever. Uh, they get him in their sights. Like, the revolutionaries are ready to take this guy down at some some ch- church or something, cathedral. And Charlie keeps telling them, we need to win fair and square. Like, we can't resort to purging them because it will make him a martyr. And the whole time I was thinking, like, fucking who cares like let him become a martyr like make martyrs out of all of them like just fucking kill them all right like, these yeah, people like, like do you think voters are really gonna voters just want the purge to end the people who support them they don't care that like oh well you know she killed a guy to to make it so my family didn't have to uh run in fear once a year uh, yeah and that's how the sergeant feels you know he's against the purge but he'll literally take out anybody <laughs> like you know he he will take you out if you're in the way so it feels like it just reminded me of like the if they go low we go high bullshit that like has become sort of a a slogan for the democrats because like right now what we're dealing with is ruth bader ginsburg just died and the republicans yeah the republicans are gonna force through a judge why are like and guess what they're that's their right to do so like uh like i'm not saying like it's a good thing but it's like these people understand power and how to utilize it and that is why they fucking crush us yeah (laughs) yeah it's just like this ruthlessness that yeah that isn't really present on this other side where you know the moral high road is usually the way to go and it's like yeah in in the world like this if if the high road gets you here (laughs) if the high road gets you here then what fucking good is the high road man like, yeah, this... and it's like, it's purge night. This is the night to do it. Like, it's okay. Yeah. And so, like, she even has an, a line where she's like, I'm going to beat the shit out of you on election day. And this felt like, I was like, did the CIA make this movie? Like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, like, yeah. Ugh, it definitely feels so like... <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, how dare this movie end with, like, a American flag waving <laughs> like in, in the sky. I was just like, this is fucking offensive to me. Like, this is supposed to be a purge movie. Like, yeah, the second one definitely 
satisfies that notion of like revolution a lot more because it just leaves it kind of ambiguous but here they're like yep like it has to be a vote like a vote is the thing that's going to change it and yeah it definitely plays into the, the 2016 sentiment super then, heavily i guess it's just like yeah just super yeah and then hillary fucking <laughs> lost yeah yeah it's it's bad like, it's bad yeah it's like <laughs> so, so it's like yeah, if, and, if this movie really wanted like yeah if i was making this movie she would have lost uh-huh. And then the NFFA would just be in power because these people didn't know to take their chance when they had it. Right. Um, yeah. Or you know, like I heard someone say, like she should she should have won, but then uh, by the end of her her term, uh, it turns out the purge has been reduced to six hours instead of twelve hours. Like she didn't actually get rid of it because she yeah, felt like so she had yeah yeah she had to uh, cooperate with the people who want to eliminate her. It's like you can purge, but only with tennis rackets. It's like you have yeah. to just <laughs> like it's no more level four weapons. Yeah, and I think the thing that makes it like the salt on the wound thing just makes it so much more worse is the fact that we lose, we lose Dante, and we lose like the other like even if it's like a cheesy black character, we lose the only other like central black. And I think like just the like the weight just doesn't feel appropriate. Like she like gives the sergeant a little like arm tug at the end, like, oh yeah, oh like they're in love at the end. I'm like, oh yeah, like, you guys like like you guys suck. Like it's like like <laughs> that's like like the victory for all of this. Like yeah, like this politician gets to have like a nice like family and like, you know, nothing has really ultimately changed for I, it doesn't seem like things have ultimately changed. Well, I'm curious who saw this movie and it was like right on. You know, they really nailed it. Um we just need to get out the vote. Uh, yeah, I think this one made the most money up until the fourth one. Huh. So wait, they each just made more money on each movie? So yeah. They just, they're just not going to stop making these? Things? Well, actually, I was looking at it today. The fifth one is like a planned end of the, the franchise mm-hmm. by the... It's not oh, directed it called, by... It's called like The Purge Forever or something like that? Yeah, The Forever Purge. The Forever and, Purge. Uh, it's Batman Forever? Not di- yeah, it's not directed by the man who did the first four, but... Um, it's written by him. And so, okay. yeah, it's supposed to be like a, an end to the franchise. And yeah, I think it's uh, supposedly delayed indefinitely, which I was really bummed out about. And I was like, damn, like if they just like remove this from the schedule just because of COVID, that really bums me out because I would like to see The Purge 5. I mean, That'd make me- yeah, and I feel like he, there's a, he has a movie up his sleeve that is about like a pandemic probably. Um, yeah. Yeah, just really frustrating the fact that, yeah, a lot of these characters had to, like, get taken out. Or not that they had to, just the fact that they're, they seem to have to sacrifice themselves in order to save these other characters' lives just to lead to this vote. And so, yeah, having Marcos kind of optimistically, optimistically look at the American flag waving at the end, it just doesn't feel yeah. very sincere it for a Purge so movie. Phony. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It just feels neutered. Um Anyway, yeah, yeah, think, fuck, yeah, fuck think, the purge election year. <laughs> yeah, that was a rough one. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, ha- I, I guess I'm happy I watched it because it like represents a lot of things that I fucking. It's like I remember someone. Um, it was Leslie Lee from Struggle Session. Um, he was talking about Black Panther and how he he mm-hmm. considers it CIA propaganda because there's like a CIA agent who's a good guy and like. The bad guy wants to arm the oppressed people of the world, and yeah, yeah, uh, I've heard that criticism a lot. Yeah, yeah. and so, uh, like, watching this movie, it kind of reminded me of something he said about that, which is like, it's sort of like if at the end of Star Wars, uh, Leia told Luke, "We can't blow up the Death Star; it'll make us as bad as they are." Um, Yeah, yeah, that is so well said. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's like, shouldn't we be allowed to have some like? portray a revolution on screen like yeah like why why have we not seen any new founding fathers get guillotined or like you know purged out yeah yeah i think that's why i highly recommend yeah once we get once we get to four and finish four like the rick and morty episode and then some episodes of the tv show i'm really excited to watch because yeah the rick and morty episode reminds me a lot of this one in particular and then yeah i would like to see just how the series looks at the day-to-day and other angles of this kind of this world and apparently the series is it's a limited series right yeah okay cool so that's that's uh that's better i don't want them to just keep keep going and going and going i believe so yeah um should we get into what have you been watching lately 
Yeah. It'd be a so. good thing to mention. <laughs> oh, wait, what? No, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, let's do it. Okay. So, Thomas, what have you been watching lately? So, lately, I haven't been watching much TV, but I watched a movie over the weekend, and it definitely, it sent me on this, like, really strange rabbit hole of animation. I watched the Jetsons movie, and <laughs> yeah, that movie wait, is... If you oh, want, an animated one? Okay. Yeah, yeah, so basically, like, you know, the lineage is like, yeah, Flintstones shows up in the 60s, and then the Jetsons shows up for one year in 62 to 63, and then it shows up again from, like, 85 to 86 or something like that, and then they have the Flintstones-Jetson crossover special, which is, like, yeah. you know, everybody kind of, like, knows that. And then, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like, that's, like, a childhood thing, I like, in the back of my mind. But then the series ends with the Jetson movie, and this movie is fucked up. Like, it's, it's like, so... All about global so, warming? Uh, kind of. It's it's really, really dystopian and cold in a way I wasn't really prepared for because, yeah, like, just the jokes of, like, the Jetsons and, like, what are supposed to be funny little gags of, you know, him being in the future and, like, all his job is pressing a button and, like, automation. him getting sent off. Yeah, like, automation of him getting sent off to a distant planet to, like, save this failing, like, mine that's destroying this indigenous people's, like habitat underground and it's just like this whole like weird political thing happening yeah it's just it's really weird but also the production had some issues where two of the main actors passed away while recording it because they were like towards the end of their career because you know the 60s was the golden age of animation or like i guess like the 40s 50s and 60s and so the jetsons kind of showed up in the bits of that and so this movie came out in 1990 way after that so these actors were like a lot older and so the production had a lot of like morbid energy around it, and then like yeah, like the and uh, no, not the animation director, but the voice director uh, disowned it, like disowned the project, like that after they replaced the uh, actor who played Judy. She recorded uh, she recorded dialogue for the entire movie, and then was replaced by a pop star because the studio wanted to make more money, <laughs> so they re-recorded her dialogue entirely. <laughs> I'm surprised like, how much of this movie you know about. Yeah, like I was up reading about this for hours because I like I watched this movie because I was just like, yeah, like it's on HBO Max. Like I just want to watch like what, an what old. What inspired an- you to watch this? It was on HBO Max, and I was just like, yo, like I just want to watch an old animated movie, just like you know, literally just like escapism, just like turn my brain off. Yeah. I just want to see some gags, like literally what? like old like Looney Tunes kind of gags. Were and, you yeah, high? I, I was slightly stoned. Not, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, I definitely had to take like a break because like halfway through that movie I was like this movie isn't fun. This movie is like super dark. Like and it's yeah, the animation isn't that inspiring either. So like not only is it kind of like drab to look at, the message that it's sending is also like very distressing and like yeah, yeah like it it starts off like, you know, the the houses they're like elevated and on those little like thin things are you familiar with how they look and so it starts off like it's just it's smog everywhere and so everyone's oh wow it's super smoggy let's just raise up and just like raise our houses higher higher and higher until we get to blue skies and i was like oh jesus that's like the darkest thing (laughs) it's just like just being able to rise your house out of the like instead of of confronting the problem they just cope with it yeah yeah, yeah, and then it's like, yeah, they go to this magical mall in space, and it's like, like all these stories, and it's just, yeah, it's just, it's a trip. That movie is like, if you want to see like <laughs> a dark, like animated movie, like watch the Jetsons movie. That movie is, is very strange. Okay, weird recommendation. <laughs> yeah, so I watched that, and it, it had me shook for a couple of days. Okay. Um, anything else? Um, is that the big one? That was the big one, honestly. <laughs> that, uh, it took me a while to kind of get to the purge. I've been, uh, released an album on Friday, so. I oh, yeah, on plug music that. Video. Blaze Wave album, Pan- Pandemic, out on all streaming platforms. Yeah. Blaze Wave, one word. Okay. Yeah, like, that was cool, so it was nice to kind of finish that little creative phase and end September and kind of, you know start off something new um, what have you been watching what have you been watching my friend i watched my neighbor totoro for the first time oh uh, awesome perfectly delightful have you seen it 
that was like a childhood, childhood favorite from way back in the day. Like, like I didn't even know the name of it because I just like saw it random way. But yeah. I haven't I, watched it since I've been an adult. Short answer is like I haven't seen it since I've you know done film school and have gotten super deep into film again. Um, I dated a couple girls who were like really into My Neighbor Totoro, and each time I tried watching with them, I would fall asleep. So <laughs> like. I, I was convinced that it was impossible to stay awake during this movie. But, um, yeah, I watched it the other day, and it's just perfectly delightful movie. Like, it's interesting watching a movie that doesn't really have a conflict for a good, like, 90% of it. Um, okay. Yeah, and I don't know. It, I feel like it does a good job of capturing how children actually behave and how, like, rambunctious and loud and weird they can be um yeah it was really good yeah yeah miyazaki has a lot of like folklore vibes so it might not be like something super immediate it's more just like that essence and vibe and just getting kind of character ideas across yeah and uh i also watched the wizard are you familiar with the wizard is it a movie or show it's a movie uh it's a movie from like 89 i think with fred savage it's the video mm, uh, game movie. No. Oh, oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so wait, have you, yeah, it's a, it's a bad movie, but <laughs> I don't know. There's something about it. Like Christian Slater is in it, and like him and um, so so okay. So the story is that um, this kid and is oh my god, I don't even know how to fucking describe this movie. The Wizard. <laughs> Um, is a little boy who he seems to have like PTSD over the loss of his sister. Spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, we don't know why he is the way he is. He like doesn't really talk. He carries a lunch box around with him. He's really good huh. at video games. And his parents want to institutionalize him. His stepbrother um, doesn't want that to happen. He doesn't want him to be institutionalized. So they set out for California because all all the brother the the wizard brother says is california every once in a while that's like basically the only thing he that's on his mind uh, uh, okay so like all right he's got to go to california for something let's go to california and all along the way they're playing video games at like arcades and stuff and they realize that there's a video game competition happening in uh at universal studios so they decide to enter to see if they can win fifty thousand dollars um meanwhile the parents of the wizard um so fred savage is uh I guess, step family. Um, yeah. They put out a bounty to try and find their son because their son is gone. And, <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. And Fred Savage's dad and his older brother, who's played by Christian Slater, are also searching for him and trying to find them before the bounty hunter does. Um, and wow, that is high concept. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is weird. Oh, and Jenny Lewis is in it. Um, <laughs> Sweet. So, so Christian Slater and the dad, we keep cutting back to them and i don't know their plot line is just like look at these buffoons like getting in a you know you know getting into trouble competing with the bounty hunter and then occasionally they play games and they they realize they kind of like the games uh there's a lot of great video game acting where like characters are holding uh the controllers and they're like making a bunch of crazy faces and like moving <laughs> oh, their yeah. hands around all crazy and then we cut to the screen and it's just like <laughs> the teenage mutant ninja turtles game and the turtles just jumping up and down it's like uh, centipede it's just like <laughs> it's... yeah it's like like the the exaggerated movements are so severe for like what is actually happening on the screen that it's like yeah that was always amazing, like, watching Malcolm in the middle, and like, yo, these controllers aren't even plugged in. Like, this is just <laughs> yeah. Like... And then, and yeah, and then you cut to the screen, and it's just, like, the dumbest shit ever. I don't know, that, that shit cracked me up, as someone who plays a lot of video games. Um, I was laughing at that way longer than I should have, but, uh... Um... I'm looking at the, the Wikipedia, and it says it's Tobey Maguire's film debut. Oh, yeah, Tobey Maguire, he, I think he's uncredited. He plays, uh, Lucas's goon, which is, <laughs> Lucas is sort of a villain... <laughs> in the movie he's another kid who's who's good at video games he uses the power glove and he says he has a kind of an iconic line where he says i love the power glove it's so bad um, <laughs> that is a dream role that is if, if i could just have any cameo it'd just be as goon <laughs> yeah Toby, yeah and he's like not even like one of the main goons he shows up towards the end and he almost looks like he <laughs> doesn't even, even real yeah it's like he doesn't even realize he's in a movie um but yeah those bizarre. are those are the two things i've watched uh, the Wizard on HBO Max. Go check it out. 
That sounds good. Yeah, if, if you can definitely watch that, please watch the Jessens movie because <laughs> yeah. I, I, it, it is it is worth a laugh. I, I, I guarantee yeah. you. All right, so yeah, I think that about wraps things up with Vague Zone. Uh, cool. Oh, and it's my selection next week, right? Yeah. So yeah, this was episode seven. So yeah, what are we gonna watch for episode eight? Um, I think I want to have you watch After Hours because it came up at one point when we were discussing uh the purge and how i think it'd be cool to have a purge movie where it's just like one guy trying to get home and getting into a lot of shenanigans because that is what after hours is um it's a martin scorsese movie and i i have a lot of martin scorsese blind spots but uh i feel like this is one i feel like this is one that even people who you know watch a lot of martin scorsese movies like i i feel like it's one of his less his underrated movies because um, it's not about organized crime or anything like that. It's literally just kind of a wacky, a, a little surreal uh, comedy about a guy trying to get home. Um, and totally, Cheech, and yeah. I think Cheech and Chong are in it, too. So. Oh, sweet. That's exciting. Uh, I'm looking at a Cheech and Chong vinyl in front of me in, in my collection right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have a couple yeah. of those from my, my parents. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I never really watched Martin Scorsese growing up. My house wasn't really big on gangster movies or stuff that was too too edgy like that. So I mm. like I had to work my way backwards and watch a lot of Scorsese and, you know, just dig it up on my own. And so, yeah, I think I just watched Mean Streets a few months ago. And See, I haven't seen I was, that one either. Yeah, that one's interesting. I wasn't super stoked about it, but it's a, it's like slow burn early Scorsese. I'm pretty sure if I watched it again, I would appreciated it's harvey Keitel, kind of you know grimy new york nights mm. and so this is a little bit after that after some really big notable movies so i'd be curious to check it out i'm excited yeah yeah i'm definitely excited to have you watch after hours because it's uh i think it might be my favorite scorsese so. okay see. all right so until Let's next see. time folks uh this is the yeah. big zone Yeah, thanks for listening. That was episode seven. See you next time.